Welcome to the MC Universe, where the Lorehounds, your guides to the multiverse and beyond. I'm David. And I'm Jean. And this is our podcast covering Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse. In this episode, we're going to discuss our general reactions to this astounding movie before moving into an in-depth conversation with spoilers and all. We'll take a break between sections so you'll have plenty of time to jump off before we get into full spoiler territory which will include potentially anything from the entire MCU-related universe. Jean, this is the part of the podcast where I'd normally mention if we had any special guests with us here today. But today is a special kind of day because we'd like to welcome back Alicia, but not as a contributor, but as a full co-host of the MC Universe show. Welcome, Alicia. Welcome, welcome, Alicia. Yeah, so what this means is that Alicia, along with Jean and I, is going to have an editorial voice about what we cover in the MC Universe show. Um, I think between Jean's uh, knowledge of the comic books and Alicia's insights to the MCU studios and all of the television shows and that stuff, I think we're going to be really well covered. Um, so I'm not sure what I'm doing on this podcast. I guess I'm the audience, the the, the casual fan proxy. But um, hey, it's my podcast, so I can hang out if I want to. <laughs> so. so if you've got any questions, comments, theories, news you want to share with us, drop us a note. Send feedback to mcu at thelorehounds.com or head over to our website at thelorehounds.com and use the contact form or record a voicemail. So we're coming up on our one-year anniversary, and one of the things that we're trying to do to celebrate that is we're on a little bit of a membership drive with our Patreon. Um, We have a Patreon. If you're interested in being a subscriber, you can head over to patreon.com slash thelorehouds. There'll be a link in the show notes. Um, And patrons get uh, ad-free access. They get access to live watch events, uh, special roles and channels on our Discord. We have a whole bunch of stuff. And for our one-year anniversary, and as a thank you, we're going to be sending everybody a cool uh, design, specially designed sticker that's going to commemorate our one-year anniversary. Uh, It's going to be a limited uh, item. You can only get it if you're a subscriber. So if you're interested in supporting us, and maybe those are some of the things that you're interested in terms of benefits. Um, check us out there, and I'll have a little bit more information about all of that at the end of the podcast. Speaking of the end of the podcast, stick around because I'll have some more updates on our upcoming schedule for the Lorehounds in June. It's a bit slower of a month. We've got a lot of stuff going on. July and August are going to start to get busy, so we're going to take this opportunity to take a, a breather. One other thing, if you can, can you take a moment real quick to hop into the Apple Podcasts and leave us a star rating or a quick review? Even a couple of quick words of encouragement would be great. We read all the reviews and they mean a lot to us and they help other folks find the podcast. Okay, let's do this. Um, I know we've got a lot to discuss and I think I'm just going to set the tone here and uh, I think full stop, this is the best super... (laughs) Hero movie that's ever been made. Big words. John, Alicia, where are you guys at? What's uh, what's your hot takes? Alicia, why don't you go first? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think I'm not going to go with best superhero movie ever made. I think it's definitely the best movie of the year so far. Um, as you guys know, I wanted to go back and watch it a second time. That's how much I liked it. Uh, only some tech issues got in the way. Um, but yeah, it's 
there's a lot to it. There's a lot that I'm still unpacking in my mind. And uh, I think, yeah, this is this whole trilogy is going to be one for the ages. Yeah. I know Jean? John's even more enthusiastic. <laughs> Jean and yeah. I talked after I saw it. Uh, we were texting. Uh, I was down in New York City when I saw it. And, you know, Jean and, and uh, I was trying to get him to come with me, but we couldn't make our life schedules work. Uh, and when we got on the phone, I was just like, dude, you have no idea. And so I have not mm-hmm. talked to Jean since uh, when I had seen it. So I'm really curious as to hear what his hot thoughts are. I've got an idea. Yeah. And I'm kind of flabbergasted. I'm blown away. Okay. I am completely, I'm not often at a loss for words. Uh-huh. Watching that movie put me at a loss for words. <laughs> okay. I was just all exclamations. Like, oh, oh, whoa, oh, oh, wait, what? That, that was my reaction to it. It was everything that I wanted to see, they did. Um, it's quite possibly my favorite movie in the last 10 15 years period wow not just um superhero related this it's is, like an all-time movie for me this is an all-time movie wow it hit, it hit those notes for me um no i agree i i mean i i call it the best movie of the year but i think it's it's one of like the top superhero movies i've ever seen yeah just, i i liked into the spider-verse even better that's the only thing Oh, interesting. Okay. All right. We can get into it when we... There's a wild debate going on about that. And um, (laughs) I... I, Yeah, I was skeptical that they could pull off something better than Into the Spider-Verse. And I kind of feel like they did. Okay. It it was really... Yeah, man. I I just... (laughs) I'm in love with this movie. I think it was really, really good. It was really, really good. And um, as we talk about it more, I'll, I'll flesh out things that really stood out to me but just overall the feel of be, of watching it just and you you when a movie can completely blow your mind as you're sitting there and you're just like slack jawed and potentially drooling that is <laughs> that is everything it's something yeah. That is everything. And that movie did that for me. Did you, uh, how, how busy was your theater when you saw it? Not incredibly. Okay. You saw an early show, I guess. Yeah. 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 Did people, did you get a vibe from the, the audience that was there with you where people, you know, I, I, I really kind of, I'm an audience of one. I kind of tune people mm-hmm. out. Okay. So, right. you know, I'm not even really paying attention unless somebody's obnoxious or something like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, um, it it was just yeah I, I was just so into the film that there was nothing else really going on. Wow, so it sucked in completely. Yeah, nice. yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah, I had a somewhat similar experience in that I because you know life was getting in the way. I ended up going to see it two days after it opened here, um, and I went to a late night showing at like the smaller theater because it was just what was convenient and. Um, you know, the sound isn't that great and the theater wasn't that full. Um, and so at first I was like, oh, I'm going to miss all of the, you know, all of the um, camaraderie of the audience. But I have to say that it, even though the audience, it was like, you know, a midnight showing 
the audience was like half full, a lot of like couples and stuff. Uh, people were really into it by the end. So this yeah. is a, you know, it even connected with that audience. So I, um, I saw a 5.30 showing on Friday uh, on the Upper East Side in, in New York City. And uh, the theater filled up by the time that the show, people were still coming in even even later than that. Uh, they, people were hustling to see. Them. Um, and I remember when the ending came, and I think this is important, John, you said this, uh, or it was it John or you, Alicia, I forget. Somebody said on the Discord something about people need to know that this is, or did we say it on our podcast? I don't know. It's all a blur. Um, <laughs> that this is a, this is part two of a, of a trilogy. Right. And that it's going to end and it's going to leave us somewhere. And when people, when the ending lands came up, you know, when it, when the film stopped, the audience was so confused and people <laughs> were, there was an audible, huh? What? Ah, ah, like 500 people or however many people are in the theater <laughs> were, were, like suddenly coming to a, a quick halt and they didn't realize what was going on. And to me, it was a really great marker of the fact that people were invested. They were sucked in. They were yes, right. singularly focused on the, on the story that was going on. And when it stopped, it was as if somebody pulled a handbrake in the car and everybody just came to a, a unexpected stop. Um, so that made me feel Kind of good. Like this movie is hitting its mark. It's doing what the filmmaker set out to do. Yeah, I Agreed. kind of, I kind of forgot that. Um, well, I mean, I, I didn't really realize that people didn't know that this was like a part one of two because the original title was Across the Spider Verse Part One, and then they decided to change it to Across and Beyond, which I understand. But then a lot of my friends who watched it were like, "Did you know? Did you know?" Like. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. You should have listened to our, uh, you know, setup podcast. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you would have been prepped. <laughs> Jean, what's the buzz with uh, with people you're listening to or having conversations with? Is it is it um, uh, hype like we we're talking here? Yes, yes. I've not seen, read, spoken to anyone who who has anything um, sort of short of the superlatives that we're giving it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. no one else has there's, there's been nothing but that right i and i haven't seen anyone give it less than a 9.5 wow right. yeah right there's i mean to do that in this time of snark and, and, <laughs> and this time of you know we're just gonna be you know picky just to be picky but no one is doing that. That tells you a lot about tells you a lot. Yeah. how the film is actually being being worked. It's um, yeah, it's pretty amazing, man. So it's I'm going to force you, Jean, to to uh, choose here. What <clears throat> what was the thing about this uh, movie that really gripped you the most? Was it the animation? Was it the music? Was it the storyline? The a particular character? If you could only hand, hang on to tightly to one thing about this film that really moved your soul, what, what would that element be or that part of the movie be? I mean, visually, it's, you know, let's, let's put that aside for, for the moment. Okay. Um, the story between families uh -huh. and how families are affected 
Yeah. That that hit me. Yeah. That hit me. Um, both Gwen and Peter and Peter and Peter actually, but all of these all of these characters, how their families, what does it mean for them? And how do you manage those relationships? Right? I can not even contemplate being in that sort of predicament mm-hmm. where we hide ourselves. You know, when you're growing up, you hide yourself from your parents. You you don't mm-hmm. want them to know what you're doing. You're trying to, you know, sneak out and, and do all these things that, you know, kids do. But for that to have that extra layer of, you know, saving the world type of stuff. Yeah, right. And, you know, how do you hide that? And how do you hide who you are? And can you tell your parents and the people around you who you are? And what does that mean? How would those relationships change? And can those relationships change? Will they change? Scary stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I think it's, um, I think that story between Miles and his parents, Gwen, and her father, you know, just and yeah. found family, right? Or constructed family, the uh, the society yeah. that you create around you that t- fulfills different needs that you get that you don't get from, say, your biological or right. legal right. family. How right. your family's constructed? Just um, you know, you know, Peter, yeah, juggling his his. No spoilers. No spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. We'll we'll um, get there. Well, that's a small one. We'll get there. We'll get there. He's a juggler in this film, guys. Yeah, he's a juggler. Literally. Yeah. So, yeah, those are. um, The family story. The family family story is what stuck to me. Uh, Alicia, same question to you. Where, Where did you feel the most? Blown away, moved, you know, what what was the thing that, the the one thing? I mean, I think I was particularly caught up in the side characters, uh, especially Hobie and uh, Paviter. Uh Um, That both of them, I don't know, they're, they just showed, yeah, they were the Spider-Man, they had the things, um, the, the, characteristics which i just stopped myself from saying a spoiler about hobie (laughs) (laughs) um but you know they also approach things in such a different way like um i told i told my friend sam that hobie reminded me so much of her with all of his like offhand remarks about capitalism and like you know (laughs) (laughs) nice but also just being well Spoilers. (laughs) Spoilers. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> but also, yeah, just, uh, you know, I said in the preview podcast, like I fr- saw from the previews that like Paviter, that he, sorry for all Indians again, that I'm horribly mispronouncing that name, I'm sure. Um, but that he was like, had this kind of Deadpool energy, but like a cleaner version of it. And um, yeah, I just, I'm very curious about the way that his story played out, if he's going to continue to get to be the same type of character or if that's going to change. So I'm just really curious about their stories going forward also, as well as, you know, obviously uh, Gwen and Miles and everyone else. Okay, so the the cast of characters is one of the things that yeah, really the cast of characters is, but especially yeah, the I mean, of course, I love the main characters, but the side characters really sucks me in this time. Nice. Um, and, one, and one more thing I'll I'll say yeah. before, um, and we'll get into it is, is what what also struck me was the stories that we tell, mm-hmm. right? And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but that made me think a lot about 
you know, my fandom, my comic fandom, you know, <laughs> the things that I love and why I love them. Um, the it, it it's it it was very thought provoking for me to have that incorporated into the movie, the mm-hmm. stories that we we tell, right? And um, what do those mean? You know, who gets to tell the story and what okay. does it mean? Right. And in this multiverse, uh, we've got a lot of different points of views right. that we're, we're not necessarily exploring those point of views, but we're being presented with, hey, here's a different world. There's a different Spider-Man. They do things differently uh, than you do. You may have some similarities with their differences, right? So yeah, there's different points of view are valid here. Right. Which it right. shows, you know, the nature versus nurture, like they, in some ways they have a little bit of both, but you know, the mix is so different. And so, and that's also what I really like about these characters that are born of like different types of universes with different circumstances. And you just see that they are a product of the environment in which they grew up. Uh, mm. Like uh, Miguel is a great example of that. I look forward to diving into that one. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, I'm going to have to go with, the thing that moved me the most was the way the visual style was used to tell the stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times in film and television, uh, music is used to cue our emotional responses to things. So if it's a scary scene, you know, is it is it a suspenseful scene and they're ratcheting up the tension? Well, they're, they're going to use music that's going to start to creep you out and make you feel like there's something ominous or it's a triumphant scene, right? Lots of horns and da-da-da's and, and that kind of stuff. So what I was noticing was depending on what was going on emotionally on screen, they would calibrate the animation style, not only to the character and the character's world, but also to what was happening emotionally between characters. Right. And there are some watercolor scenes or some beautiful city vistas. Uh, one scene in particular where it's sort of inverted. Uh-huh. Um, so I really was so, uh, I, I was just really in admiration uh, that these creators were able to map all of that stuff out. Right. And to match their visual creation with their character beats and story beats and bring that in in an animated sense. This isn't a set with a bunch of, oh, we need a house and we need some lighting and we're going to pretend that there's lightning or something like that. This is animated. This is a, an entirely different workflow and design process That's a, that I would seemingly, it feels like it's a lot more complex in terms of the computer work that they're doing and stuff. Yeah. And sure. that they were able to match those together was I was I don't I can't I can't say that I'm proud because I don't have any sort of ownership or connection to the writers or the directors or the you know anybody who who was involved in the show but I just like am you guys did a great job and I'm hmm. so glad that you were able to have the space and the time to do this because what you gave us is a new dimension of storytelling you were able to tell stories in a way that we have not really seen yet. And we talked about this in the previous podcast where it really feels like you're looking at a comic book in this, right? It's a comic yeah. book come to life, but now they've taken it to the, an nth degree that I didn't think they could do, which is they're giving me emotional tonality based on the animation style. 
Yeah. And by the backdrops and the colors and the way that the colors are flowing. And I didn't, that surprised me. I don't think I would have ever uh, uh, predicted that to be something that I would experience in my life. And it was uh, extraordinary. It was an extraordinary experience from that, that regard. And did you guys also feel, so for me, I was remarkably, um, like calm. Like it was like lulling me the, the first third of the movie, even the action scenes, I was just feeling like very relaxed in a pleasant way. Um, is that just me and the time of night that I saw it? Or did you, did you guys experience <laughs> a similar effect? Jean? Um, no, I wasn't no. calm. <laughs> I wasn't, I wasn't calm. No. I mean, I by was, the end, I was getting worked up, but yeah, yeah. I, I, from the beginning, I was like, okay, yeah, from from the beginning, I was just like, oh shit, like, <laughs> wow, I was so just like David just said, the visuals, you know, were just so outstanding just from the first, you know, scene, and that just completely got me amped. I'm like, okay, all right. Wow! All right, I see what I see what you guys are doing here. Okay, all right, this this is about to be something. And then I think the tenor uh, of of the film in that first third of it, um, again, that's this is the thing that struck me because it was about the family at that time. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, and that really, you know, I felt for for those characters, so I wasn't calm about it. I was just like, damn. This kind of this is messed up, man. What's going on? You know, and it just really in that moment, just um, feeling like the angst that they had, I felt, you know, I really did. Um, like Gwen, just yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it. Yeah, I it was. I was noticing the the roller coaster that they were putting me on emotionally. There were times where it felt like we were climbing up uh, the hill and you could hear right. the click, 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 click as the, the roller coaster car was nearing the top. And then zoom, we were down and around a corner. And then we had a slow moment again. And then we zoomed off somewhere else. And all the while... I don't think I noticed how they were turning up the dial or amping up my uh, energy Mm. so that by the time they ended it and when it ended, it really was coming to a sudden stop. And I was kind of expecting it. I was watching my watch and going, okay, how, how much time do we have left here? We're, we're, we've got to be getting near the end. And then when we came to the end, I didn't realize how amped up I had become over the course of the two and a half hours or, or whatever the exact runtime is. So for me, it was a very much of a roller coaster ride. I wasn't calm, uh, but I was really feeling the, the plot twisting and turning and the energy ramping up and down as different things were happening. All right, guys, before we take a break, there's one thing I wanted to kind of put a pin in. I don't know um, what trailers, Alicia, you got because you're in a different market than us. Jean, I'm guessing we got the same trailers. We got got the same ones. Okay. So I wanted to put a pin in this and we'll talk about it on the other side of the break. But um, the trailers that I got were the Marvels movie, right? Our our next big, that's an obvious one. I got Blue Beetle, uh, The Flash, 
I have to say the animation looks terrible. I'm so sorry for the flash because it I, it doesn't cringy. look as good as everybody else is saying, but I'll be yeah, there. Yeah. <laughs> it it, it um, looks better on a small screen. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think so. Uh, Teenage Kraken, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Transformers, and Grand Turismo, uh, which is a race car uh, thing. So I... I Certainly in my audience, there were a lot of high school and college age kids, 5.30 on Friday on the Upper East Side. It's a perfect time to, for folks to be you know, catching that movie on a Friday night. But then I was thinking, okay, superhero, 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 uh, teenaged, or not teenage, teenage Kraken, which is a kid's movie, but superhero-y, right? Dealing with your powers and stuff. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, right. you know, very superhero-y in, in the whole new animation style that they're doing. Transformers, you know, very clearly uh, uh, targeted at the same sort of superhero market, but slightly different. And then Gran Turismo, which is slightly different, but still a coming-of-age type of And I want to put a pin in this because we're talking about a class of a movie here with Across the Spider-Verse that is something extra, where these movies somehow are not that. So let's keep that in mind as we go forward. And in terms of framing what this movie represents in the uh, larger industry of superhero films at large. Okay. All right. So it's let's take a quick provoking. Huh? It's very, <laughs> very thought provoking. David. Oh, good. <laughs> good. Well, we tried to, on, we tried to do that. On Although time. I will say I'm very excited for the, for Marvels. Okay. Yeah. So am I, I I'm definitely excited for Marvels. Um, but anyway, all right, we'll, we'll get more into that in the break. So stay tuned. Okay. And we're back from our break and it's time for spoilers. So again, if you have, uh, not seen this movie, uh, and you don't want to be spoiled, you should jump out now. Uh, if you don't care about being spoiled or not, come on in and, and join the conversation. Um, let's get into a few things. Jean, you were uh, wound up about something. You were, you were on the, our, our, our uh, production server Discord talking about something. You had something hot and burning to say. What was the, what was the particular thing? Oh, th- this... We we can save that for a little bit later. I, I got to. You don't want to start with it. I don't want to start. I don't want to start with it. I, I, this is about comic books. Okay. Um, Amazing Spider Man issue twenty six. Okay. And I'll, and I'll rant about that. Well, I think I think it ties into what I was going to say um, at later on too. Uh, okay. Yeah, I'm just about questions about the whole Spider Canon. Okay. Okay. That sounds yeah. good. Yeah, we'll we'll rank. All right, we'll we'll kick that can down the down the road. Let's start then. I think with the question of families, because that was something that I think, even though I didn't voice it earlier, and I'm not sure where you are with it, Alicia, but I think it's a potent storyline that we have um, a very family forward storyline. I noticed as a parent that I was reading what was going on in a very different way. Um, even to the point with, uh, Miguel, uh, who is, uh, played by, um, uh, Oscar Isaac. 
Yes, thank you, Oscar Isaac. I didn't even realize it was Oscar Isaac, his acting. No, yeah. I knew it, but I didn't realize it either. (laughs) Right. And I knew it, but I forgot it. And then I didn't, I remembered it after. And I thought, wow, that was Oscar Isaac. I never, he was amazing in that. Um, But it was like with Miguel, I was like, no, 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 we've got to, you know, we, we have to, you know, manage things in a different way and whatnot. So I, then I was thinking to myself, what if I were a teenager watching this movie? What would I think? How would I feel? What would I be? What kind of emotions I, would I be having? Um, we get more of the mom's story uh, with uh, Miles. We get a dad story with Gwen, single parent stuff. So what are some things that were rolling around with you guys in terms of the family storylines? Alicia, any thoughts you want to jump in on? I mean, I guess the story of found family always resonates with me a lot. Um, especially, you know, we have, yeah, like we're behind the spoilers, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, it's open, open, <laughs> go for it. So we have, uh, you know, Gwen who is dis- estranged from her father. Um, and also like how her, her experience with her father leads for her to expect the same thing from Miles and to set him up for that too. And I loved how at the end, you know, when we think she's outside the window listening into their conversation, but actually it turns out they're in different universes. Um, but we that think, was a great twist. Yeah, that was a great twist. But um, we think that she's listening into him telling his mother something that she said, don't tell your parents because, you know, they won't take it well. They won't accept you or love you the same. Um, and, you know, his okay, so it's not really fair because his mom didn't even know who Spider-Man was because it was a different universe, but it's you can just see Miles as a different type of person that he is just, you know, he's just like, I'm going to tell my family. I'm just going to tell my family. I'm going to tell my girlfriend. I'm going to just tell people things. And that's I appreciate that about him as a character. But I also appreciate that Gwen, you know, in lieu of having this good relationship with her father for most of the film, she creates her own found family, which is what we see at the very end. And that's what has me most excited for the next film, that found family that Gwen put together. Right. Nice. Jean? I, I you know, um, watching Gwen and, and her father, I, I, I was so, you know, I, 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 wanted, I wanted to reach through the screen and, and slap him. <laughs> you know, Yikes! Okay. Yeah, I, well, because yeah. because you know this this idea that you know I'm going to show you who I really am, and him in that moment rejecting it. Uh huh. That is so. Um, it, it's a powerful. It's a powerful thing, man. You know, and we don't know if he couldn't if he rejected it because of her you know keeping that side of herself from him yeah. all this time right doesn't he say something like how long have you been lying to right. me or something yeah right yeah that's what i so thought a, like if she told that, him years ago because he, he was a fool was he, he made himself right. fool of himself exactly. yeah exactly um and betrayal. Then, i'm thinking i'm thinking like you still went through the whole you have the right to remain silent Mm -hmm. yeah come on you know you still went through that whole rigmarole of being the cop Mm -hmm. when your daughter's here basically you know like pleading for you to accept her and in that Mm -hmm. moment you wanted to put her in jail yeah that to me was 
so it hit so hard Mm -hmm. that like wow you know i can't even think of a you know i'm my kid is six going on seven yeah for him to have a secret that he wants to tell me and then when he actually does tell me even if the circumstance of him telling me is the worst of circumstances right yeah my reaction cannot be no (laughs) yeah it's a warning to fathers everywhere it's a warning like Mm -hmm. my reaction cannot be no Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to and think about how many LGBT kids might connect with that story. Absolutely, line. absolutely. Yeah. And going through a portal to get away from you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. To another dimension. Right. To another dimension. <laughs> <laughs> See, mom, I could have moved further. <laughs> right, right. You know, you know it, it it just hit me. Like you said, David, watching it as a parent, that scene just hit me hard. Like you know to see my kid just walk out mm-hmm. and leave not because they they want to but because they need to get away from me mm-hmm. what type yeah. of what is i mean that set me on a path in the movie to think about the movie as being something other than what we exactly. normally get Exactly. This is this subtle, this deeper level storytelling that's going on. And like you said, Alicia, there's these other dimensions that we're not maybe even processing if we're a youth of uh, a different persuasion than the norm, or we're in a different sub-community, or we're trying to find it. There's so much going on that as an individual that I'm not even perceiving because I'm just in my point of view. So you were going to say something, I kind of cut you off. Go for it. Oh, no, I was just going to ask if you guys thought that Miguel was in some ways like playing that kind of father role with the spider fam. No. No? No? No. Because I, I, no. mm, well, I have thoughts about Miguel, but yeah. Yeah, I have a lot of thoughts about Miguel. <laughs> None of them are good. He's definitely, he's definitely not a father figure. That's mm. absolutely not. But I mean, I don't mean in the good way, father, but I mean in the way of like, I am the father of this whole, you know, Spider-Verse collective. And, uh... And I want you to follow these strict rules. And if you vary, if you deviate, then you are wrong and disowned and you're not allowed to be part of the family. You'll be banished. But you know, I didn't so, think about it that way. That's so, but then, then let's, let's examine the motivations of Miguel for a second, because he's seeing a, a existential threat to the entire realm of existence if certain things aren't happening in the multiverse, right? And he's being dogmatic about the way that he understands that that's got to work, that all these spider uh, uh, characters across the universe, multiverse, have to have this inciting incident. And if they don't, then he's seeing the erosion and the disillusion, the actual literal unraveling of existence, and so he's fighting to maintain the integrity of the universe, but he's doing it in a really dogmatic uh, way, mm-hmm. in a way that he can't see beyond, just like Gwen's father can't see beyond. He's a lawman, you know, and I got to bring you in because you're a criminal. Um, and that's a similar thing that, that uh, Miles was struggling with because he didn't know how his dad was, right? So... I don't know. We ha- I, I think Miguel is a more interesting character because 
Um, it's not a spot where there's just, oh, I'm just going to get my revenge. In a way, it's a, a Thanos-style, uh, quote-unquote, bad guy, because there's a prime motivation there. There's a belief mm. in and in an attachment to a singular idea um, that has to be executed or carried out or protected, whatever, at all costs. And that, to me, from a storytelling standpoint, is such a better area of conflict for characters to come into conflict over rather than just like, oh, I'm evil, ha, 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 and I'm going to twirl my mustache and right. you know, put, the, put the, uh, you know, the, the person in distress on the railroad tracks to be run over. That's boring. Give me somebody like Miguel who is so singularly focused on something that they see as vital to you know, anything um, and then put them into conflict with other people. That's an interesting story. Oh, you guys are quiet. I, 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 no, <laughs> no, because we were both about to. <laughs> yeah, I, I just, I, I don't see Miguel as any sort of sympathetic figure in this movie. Wow. Okay. I, I don't, I don't see his motivations as anything other than being selfish. Yeah. Um, yeah. Really. I, I think he's, um, I think he's, he's, he's a monster. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's telling a story that he feels that he needs to to have in order for everything to be okay without mm-hmm. thinking that not everyone's story has to be this way. Right. And when he starts ranting and raving about the canon, right? Mm-hmm. 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 Which is a and, great, like... <laughs> yeah, right. Which is, which is great because... We can have like a five series podcast on about just about that. Just about that, especially with this character of Uh Miles Morales, who, Uh when he was created, all the you know racists and jerks and came out of the woodworks to to deny that this could be a character that he could be a Spider Man that he could Uh be Spider Man. So you have Miguel who's telling Miles, "You're an anomaly. You don't really." You shouldn't exist. Your your very existence is ruining the universe, the multiverse. By, okay. by you just existing, you are putting at Oof. risk yeah. everything and everyone. No. <laughs> no. No. That That is not Which true. Which takes this film into this other dimension yes. of yes. identity and Absolutely. isolation and alienation. At the same time, it's a film about becoming and discovering yourself. It's one thing that teenagers that, you know, that I, I can think back to my high school days, you know, every few months I would change my identity. I was hanging out with this group and then I was hanging out with that group. And then I was hanging out with this other group over here. And I, drifted around through so many different social groups as I've been trying to discover my identity. So I, I really, you know, those are, there's a lot of palpable memories for me of that. At, at the same time, isolation, alienation, dogmatic, uh, uh, autocratic control. Um, so uh, uh, um, uh, uh, being honest and authentic with your parents. What other movie can dive into these different waters and layer all of this up in a superhero movie. I mean, it's wild. I, I, I don't know, Alicia, where, where's your head at with this sort of um, depth? Of I mean, well, I think, uh, yeah, two things. One, I do s- agree with you that I see Miguel as like 
I don't know. I'm not going to call him a sympathetic character because like I wrote in the notes, loathed Miguel, but I think that's the point. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's where I clock him. But I do see where, you know, he's a villain with a perspective, you know, so yeah, um, I'm going to compare him to like Sims from Silo, you know, no yes. spoilers, but, but you know, it's someone who, well, you, do you want to shamelessly plug your podcast? <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> we'll sure. Yeah. Dust. We'll shift us to Silo TV <laughs> podcast. Then you can hear all about sh- Sims and his shady motives, but also at the same time, he's someone who you can tell he thinks he's doing what's best for the society that, you know, um, which is and, what I'm saying is an interesting bad guy. Yeah, exactly. That's what makes an interesting bad guy. That's why it's, uh, my co-host Luke's favorite character. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also at the same time you were just talking about, I don't know, for some reason I started to think about the bad batch or just about like the, you know, the star Wars, the star clones. Wars bad batch, mm-hmm. yeah. the, the star Wars clones in general, like, and how the spider people, are in some ways supposed to be clones of each other, but in some ways that also that um, pushes them, especially when they come into contact with each other, probably to assert their individual identities even more. Like this is what makes me different than all those other spider people. Um, and, I, and that was also interesting that like that was touched on a bit in the opening monologue from uh, Gwen, where she, you know, she's saying it, before in the last movie, it was the case of, uh, and here we go again from the top, right. you know, and they're telling right. these stories and, right. and Gwen's like, no, this is going to be a different story. Um, and now she's telling Miles' story at the beginning. And yeah. Let's talk about Gwen a little bit. Cause I did hear a little pushback on another podcast. I instantly ran out and I was checking three or four different podcasts to see what sort of other folks in our, our um, uh, space were reacting to. And I did hear one particular um, uh, podcaster in a, in a group, in a panel discussion, talk about how they were a little disappointed that Gwyn was the, the primary uh, protagonist uh, from the story point and th- that they were there to see Miles and yet they got Gwyn. I don't know, Jean. How did you, um, how did you see leading with Gwyn as uh, a, a keystone of the of this storyline? Um, I was okay with it. Okay, because this is across the Spider Verse. You're okay with it, but what did it? How, how does it? What did you think of her storyline? I should maybe yeah, that's a I, different question. Yeah, I I, I thought her storyline was was great, actually. Uh huh. Um. This found family that you have, right, is doing something terrible to someone that you love. Mm-hmm. The family that you left, you can't really turn back to, right? At that moment, she couldn't, she didn't realize she could go back, mm-hmm. right? How does that, how does that work itself out? Like, you could see her, you know, in her eyes, mm-hmm. the way it was animated, because you can tell that, you know, she's thinking about am I actually doing the right thing here? Right. She's listening to, you know, to Spider-Woman. She's listening to everyone tell her that Miles' story has been written. This is how it's supposed to be, right? Just like she told Miles, in every universe, Gwen Stacy falls for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Something bad happened. Mm-hmm. Why does that have to be the story? Mm-hmm. And I think you can see throughout the movie that she's starting to ask herself, why does this have to be the story? Right. right. Miles already intuitively, he knows mm-hmm. this doesn't have to be my story. What mm-hmm. you're telling me doesn't have to be what happens which, to me. Which if for, you're trying to tell me right. my story. 
which you for, don't get to do that for <laughs> for <laughs> identity for for when there is when you're outside a, a norm of identity, this is a really potent message. It is that we're dealing with here. This is it an is. extraordinary storyline. Like this is a message that resonates, especially in 2023. Mm-hmm. Let's let's be frank about what's going on. Mm-hmm. You know, worldwide, not only in the U.S. and and mm-hmm. how you know queer trans people are being treated, mm-hmm. right? You don't tell you don't tell my story. Mm-hmm. No, you don't get to determine how my story begins, how it it plays out in the middle, and how it ends, mm. which is what they're trying to do to Miles, right? And he's you know, and I keep seeing the scene when Miguel, you know, they're on the, what, what is that? The train thing? Yeah. Going the, the, yeah. it's the, um, oh, I forget what it's called. It's, it's taking him to orbit. It's yes, a, yes. Oh, I can't. The it's shuttle? a lift. It's a lift. The, the oh. lift to, to, yeah. Uh, oh, right, to, right, right, right. Uh, there's a name elevator. for it. Yeah. And, yeah. And it's and an elevator. It is. It is the space elevator. Yeah, exactly there you go. It is. And Miles <laughs> is, is, is sticking, you know, to it. And Miguel is just, Heart is clawing his way at him. Mm-hmm. He's not even he's not even half human at this point. He's just a full monster. Mm-hmm. Right? Clawing his way at him. God, clawing. Gets at him and and Are his you sure face, you're Spider-Man? And his face <laughs> is is just his face is not the face of someone who cares. Mm-hmm. The his his face in that moment when Miles says, Man. I've been leading you here. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> right? But you can see this pure, you know, the guy has, has you know, succumbed. He's mm-hmm. become something else other than a Spider-Man, other mm-hmm. than a hero. He's, He's a real be- autocrat. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. The fascist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and in that moment, he's a he's a he's a monster in that moment trying right. to tell this kid that your existence doesn't matter. Right. Right. And this kid looks up at that fascist and says, Nah, fuck you, I got this. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, come on, man. This is this is Again, this is a superhero movie, I, and I'm here for the spectacle. You guys know, I, yeah, I, yeah, I want to yeah. see all the bombast on screen. I want to see the visuals. I want to be, you know, wild, and I certainly was. Mm. But what takes this movie to a different place is all these little things that they're doing, the story that they're telling, right? Um, really elevates it for me. Yeah, Alicia, have you seen? Um, oh, go ahead. I was going to say, ask uh, regarding Miguel. Have you seen the theories that tie him, you know, like YouTubers and stuff, theorizing that he might be linked to the inheritors? The yeah, inheritors. sort of, yeah, yeah. I, I saw that. I, I mean, it's possible, like it's the possible. vampire spider people, right. yeah, from Steampunk. It, it's very, it's very possible. It's very possible, but you know, I would love I, to see I, them personally. But yeah. that would be Moreland would be, you know, Moreland is a is a character fairly new to the um, spider. Um, verse in the comic books who's you know um really popular really a great villain um and that would be really awesome if it turned out to be miguel it's more than <laughs> but that's for another podcast <laughs> yeah 
Uh, Alicia, uh, I want to um, pivot back to Gwyn's storyline. How was that for you? Because you had talked about how Gwyn was very important for you in our last podcast. How yeah. did you feel that there was as there was as much, if not was I don't yeah. know, I don't know how to percentile. No, I, I would call there her was a lot of Gwyn in this, and it was yes. really yeah. interesting. No, a friend of mine was saying like, oh, because he also loved this film, and he was saying like, oh, she should be nominated for best supporting actress. And I'm like, supporting actress? <laughs> right. No, no, <laughs> like I will riot. I mean, I mean yeah. of course, no, no animated things getting any best any Oscars uh, acting right. until they add a voice category. Campaign starts now. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would call her a co-lead because she really, mm-hmm. she opened it, she closed it. We saw um, so much, just as much as Miles, like through her perspective, she influenced the shape and direction of the story just as much as Miles. So I would yeah. say, yeah. And she's got to save Miles, right? He's got to be saved by Gwen. Yeah. Yeah, that true. Does a degree because we don't know where Miles is, and Miles doesn't know where Miles is, right? I would, I would love an inversion of that, like Gwen Stacy drop moment where Miles drops, but she saves him. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, that would that would be great. That would be great. Like they did the inversion of where they they didn't kiss, but they had like right. where uh, this time what Gwen was upside down and Miles right. was right side up. Can yeah. I just say how beautiful that scene was? Yeah. How visually stunning it was. It I'm was. like almost it in really tears was. here. Really how was. emotionally stunning that was. How just such an intimate f- moment of these two kids who are struggling to find their identity. I loved their hanging out and what do spider people do when they hang out they zip you know they cruise yeah. through the city and walk on buildings and do this stuff and then for the storytellers to put her upside down and yes. we see the world from this other vantage point spoke to me on so many levels again going back to identity and try and self-discovery it was beautiful and just visually beautiful yeah, and also like with the elevator when they first go into the spider headquarters and that elevator is going upside down, you, like you can tell that just they know this is something only we can do. So we're yes. going to, it makes it exclusive for us. This is how we right. exclusively get in. That's yeah. right. It's really, it, it's really, um, they, they did well telling those dual stories, mm-hmm. those dual perspectives, you know, like, she is just as much as a lead as Miles is, and you don't get shortchanged with either story here. You know, yeah. it's not like someone is taking a backseat to the other and you're saying, oh, I wish they had focused more. And I don't feel, I, I did not feel cheated out of either story, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think they really yeah, balanced all of the characters. Yeah. They were very, they it was very synergistic. Yeah. They did. And yeah. that's, that's amazing because you're juggling, you know, Yes, it's animation, but you're still juggling a ton of characters here. You know what I mean? Who who have to have some sort of semblance of you know storyline in in a picture of this magnitude, and they pulled it off. My my one complaint on that front is uh, Jessica. She should have. I I wanted oh. more of her story, more screen time, more. Just I mean, yeah, she's pregnant. Uh, I need more. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, de- definitely, definitely. And there the cool mic- mo- motorcycle is cool. She looked cool, but I want to. Yeah, I was expecting her to be like one of the main characters, and she really kind mm. of took more of a backseat than I thought. Yeah, I, I, I think. Um, I think they they decided to focus more on Miguel. In yeah, that, in that sense, right? 
and she was just supporting character to but I also, quest. But I feel like the other supporting characters got more of a chance to to shine. Um, mm. And that was the one where I was like, well, she was there. She was cool. Like the, the bike was cool, but um, I don't know. She I think maybe dimensional. She was yeah. the sort of spider mom. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think she was kind of yeah. caught between Miguel and the rest and trying to like bridge that somehow. So, Let's um, uh, change lanes really quick and let's talk. Uh, we've talked a bunch about Miguel already. One thing we haven't done is talked about Spot. Going right. into the movie, I was perfectly prepared for this to be a standard uh, culmination of, you know, Miles and Spot with their intertwined uh, origin stories to resolve that conflict. And in fact, we didn't really get a lot of spot uh, other than to be this sort of causal, this chaotic causal element out in the world to get things rolling. Um, I do want to say really quickly before we, we get more into spot, I want to just back to the our first podcast and prep of this. One of the things that I called out that I thought was really fun was when Miles threw the bagel and it right. boinked off the head. And then what he and said, then that was it. That was it. And <laughs> I was, was like, it. oh, the bagel. But I also um, thought it was funny that that was like, like the way that they cause each other's origin stories, Spot and, and Miles. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like a origin story version of the Spider-Man pointing meme, you know? Yeah, oh, yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Which we're, we're going to talk about the meme in a bit uh, <laughs> because we, we can't not talk about that. Um, do you think Spot was effective? Did you think uh, Jason uh, Swartz's uh, performance? Wait, is that right? Am I giving the right person? Jason uh, yeah. Schwartzman. Schwartzman. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I forgot. Schwartzman. Um, Alicia, were you, how, what's, your, what's your vibe on Spot? Yeah, no, I thought he was fantastic because uh, he started as like this ridiculous figure. Um, there was comic relief. And then by the end, he genuinely grew more and more terrifying. So mm-hmm. he really is this looming threat. This character that's, you know, laugh worthy in the first scene becomes like, oh, crap, he could really destroy, I don't know, the multiverse. Uh, and yeah, that's really difficult to do in two and a half hours. Right. I loved the whole thing physical comedy thing you know you punch right. here and then you, you punch yourself because you yeah. sort of go through the portal the the animation style for spot was a was amazing i think he added a lot jean how are you feeling about spot like alicia i i i think they did a great job mm-hmm. you know he went from a joke of a character mm-hmm. you know even miles saw him as a joke Right. right. Even, you know, the Bodega Man saw him as a joke. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. That was a great and Shout out to, to Ziggy Marley for, for that. Uh, yeah. That was a great, I like, I like that Bodega Man character. But mm-hmm. he went from being a joke to being. Wait, the Bodega Man was Ziggy Marley? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So he, he went from being a joke to being the thing that Miguel should be concerned about. Mm-hmm. Not Miles. <laughs> you know what I mean? It, right. and, and that just shows, again, it, it, the movie is just hitting on so many levels for me. You know, mm-hmm. like you have these guys who are, you know, supposed to be watching the multiverse and protecting it, but what are they protecting it from? Who are they right. protecting They're keeping it from? a status quo in place. Right. Right. The, in a dogmatic the, the way. The thing that you yeah. should be worried about is the thing that you're not worried about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know, you're chasing miles and this guy is just out here about to cause a lot of havoc. And what do you, the, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, what do you think it does to the superhero origin story trope? How does this now, <clears throat> and I think we have two bad guys because we've got Miles and Spot, right? Miguel. And, um, but how does, how does this whole thing and then the whole idea of this trauma being this mechanism, you know, with the Batman thing, with the Spider-Man thing, with uh, su- with uh, Superman, right? We've got all this trauma happening to our characters to, uh, you know, to temper them into, into something greater and bigger. Um, what, I don't know, Jean, what do you think about, and this goes back to the, the trailer talk that I was talking about before. We're, we're talking origin story here of a superhero and we're getting, well, Marvel's we'll, we'll set aside cause I think it's a cool story, but blue beetle, the flash teenage Kraken, teenage mutant Ninja turtles, transformers. These are all what, what really shocked me walking out of the movie. It was all of those movies that they're advertising prior to this are pale pale in comparison to what this movie is doing, turning over the tropes and examining them and challenging our beliefs and our assumptions about how we get superheroes or how we deal with these bigger questions. I don't know, Jean, what were you, what did you make of the the origin story, the inversion that they were doing here? I, I It's one of my favorite parts of the, of the movie that they're telling you that it's all BS. <laughs> right it's all bs like right. miles tells you why does he have to die mm-hmm. yeah he said mm-hmm. why you know and, and i think it's it's time you know and i felt this for for a while that we don't have to have this sort of you know pain and suffering can only be the ways that you will become your better self Mm, mm, yeah, which yeah. is a lot, which is, you know, my future rant <laughs> on mm-hmm. AS on Amazing Spider-Man number 26 coming up <laughs> in a little while <laughs> that has a lot to do with it. Right. Yeah. But pain and suffering. Why is that the story that we tell? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, why is and, that the story that we tell? And why does Miles have to go through it twice? He already lost his uncle. Like, yes. why does he have to lose another one? Yes. And then, and then the other thing is, so you know, then he saved, um, he saved Paviter's, well, Gwen, you know, Captain, uh, his girlfriend's right. dad. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, his girlfriend's dad. Yep. Yeah, and and but you notice like this happier character that uh, this that this guy has. You know, it comes from the fact that he hasn't gone through that canon event. But Absolutely. does that mean that now he has to like make it up? So does Miles have to do it twice? Uh, is he taking one for both of them, or? You know, can Paviter be happy? Can Miles have already like suffered enough? Uh, yeah, these yeah, are the like, questions lingering for me. It, it, it just, you know, it, it's a uh, the canon. You know, we don't have to adhere to it. You know, and as a fan of comic books, you know, uh, reading comic books, we don't have to adhere to canon. And yeah. we like, I'm, I'm <laughs> like, I'm about to explode here because the whole storyline here of Miles is to alter to to get away from to break away yes. from the canon yeah so this movie is dealing 
in the canon of superhero stories. It's dealing with in the, you know, the canon of what is an acceptable way for you to become a, you know, from going from teenage to adulthood and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I don't know, Alicia, what you're thinking, but like they're pivoting the canon. They're breaking this. What is canon? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to process it. Help me here. <laughs> I mean, my brain is like uh, exploding. But I think that's, you know, so they have like, you know, these hundreds of characters in this movie. Obviously, we don't get all their backstories, but we can presume that they're similar. And, you know, I was saying when we were talking about Into the Spider-Verse, I was saying that I really liked how you know, they have these parallel backstories, but they're telling different stories within that framework. And now they're saying, well, how many times can we tell the same story? You know, mm-hmm, we're not right. going to give you amazing Spider-Man right, right after the Tobey Maguire movies again, you know? Right. <laughs> um, so I, I think they, they have to explore more what the other possible options are. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and just looking, you know, when he's telling the story of how everyone has lost. And, mm-hmm. and then you're seeing, you know, all these you pictures of, of spider people who have lost, you know. And why is that a good thing? <laughs> yeah. Why is that a good thing? Mm-hmm. Why, Wait, yeah, or why, what are we teaching kids? Yeah, yeah. why is that a good are we thing? Normalizing trauma as a... As a, yeah. as a means to get better, to become mm-hmm. your better self? Come mm-hmm. on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one thing to say that, you know, you can, when you experience trauma, which happens to a lot or even most people, yeah, it's going to happen sooner or later. And it's one thing to say that you can take that experience and, you know, take something from it to better yourself going forward. But it's another thing to say, you have to go through that in order to be a complete good person. Yes. And that's the story that we've been telling ourselves in superhero lore for a very long time. But then yeah. this is where pop culture blends over into how we um, transmit cultural norms and values, isn't it? Yeah. So what's the yeah. embedded message here? I remember when you know we became, uh, my spouse and I became parents, uh, our, our daughter, whose pronouns, as she's told us, is she, her, and she is, you know, a, a, a girl. Um when we started reading stories and started interacting with her as a, as a little, as a little kid, everything was, Oh, it's Mr. Toothbrush and Mr. Comb mm-hmm. and Mr. Carr. Mm. And we were reading these stories and, uh, Richard Scarry's wild, wild world, right? The, you know, Oh, the brave firefighter saves the damsel in distress and the mm. handsome pilot and the beautiful stewardess. And we were, like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> here it is. Here's all these cultural messages being transmitted in a seemingly innocuous thing like a kid's book. Right. Or just because we were, you know, uh, told that the toothbrush was uh, gendered as a male. <laughs> You're like, right. what? Right. <laughs> like, it's yeah. a toothbrush. Right. Um, so, so where in, in all of our superhero canons are, are, are these cultural messages being transmitted and being absorbed? Well, I think that's one reason why Spider-Gwen spoke to me so much because, Mm -hmm. and for instance, like, you know, no hate to Black Widow, but I just never really got into that character because it was just, it seemed to me more like the male gaze kind of female superhero. Mm -hmm. And now uh, it's not just in the Spider-Verse, it's also in a lot of other things. One of my favorite characters, Scarlet Witch from the comics, but... um, 
but yeah, we see more. I know from myself as a child growing up, I'm pretty feminine. You know, you guys can see me, the people at home can't, but I'm, I'm pretty girly. Um, but still, I was told all the time, like, oh, you shouldn't like that because you're a girl. You shouldn't mm-hmm. um, say things like that. You shouldn't climb trees or, you know, whatever. And You yeah, shouldn't the, be into comics. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> right? You shouldn't exactly. be into Star Wars. Yeah, fake geek girl too. haunted my teenage years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I, and I, so it's, yeah. No, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, so it's just uh, when that's why Gwen spoke to me so much, for example, is just Mm -hmm. to see someone who's she's she's girly. She's, you know, she's unabashedly female, but she's also this is what I like. This is what I do. I'm a ballerina and, you know, an athlete. Well, ballerinas are athletes, but, you know, I'm a ballerina (laughs) and I'm a tomboy and, you know, I'm a little bit punk. And And I play the badass drums. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And she's emotionally complex. Yeah. She has a full rounded uh character development in this. She's struggling with things. She's made decisions. She's acquiesced. She's gone along with the power structure. She's now seeing that that's not necessarily the best thing, so she's going to solve it. She is she has her own agency. Um, and she struggles with the questions of do I reveal identity here in this situation? both with her parents and with Miles's parents. And she's trying to figure out her relationship with Miles. Uh, you know, will they, won't they? Are they, are they not? Uh, I, I don't know, right? And I don't know that I necessarily care right. that they kiss or get together. Right. What I care, what I'm starting to discover is that I care that they've got an emotionally well-rounded relationship. Right. That they're friends, that they're taking care of each other, they're in each other's corners and advocating for each other. That to me is so much more of an interesting story than oh a boy her- a boy hero and a girl hero uh, save the world and they kiss at the end of the movie. Right. Yawn, right? Yeah. You know, give me you know give us something where there is where there are are characters who are who are struggling and dealing or exploring and discovering or supporting each other with these complex questions. So and, much more rich of an environment. And and even with Miles, you know, who's in the movies fifteen, right? Who, you know, he's a superhero and he's doing superhero things, but he still feels the need to get away. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he wants to go away to school to, you know, spread his wings. <laughs> he wants mm-hmm. to spread his right. wings, right? He's already spreading his wings, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there's a part of him that he hasn't been able to express to the people closest to him that's keeping him boxed in, mm. that's keep, mm. keeping him closed off, right? And he has to go away to explore the multiverse in order to get back to a place where he's like, okay, you know what? I can now really tell you. I need to really tell you. I really need to let you know who it is that I am. Mm. Even yeah. though it was not his mom, but he is ready for that step. But he had right. to get away from them in order to come back to them. Right. That's, mm. you know, that's, that's, right. that's, that's just like. That's some deep come stuff. Come on, man. Come on, what are we doing here? <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> 
Can I ask you a question though about the going away to school thing? Um, do you find it at all plausible that a mother in Brooklyn would be upset about her son going to Princeton like an hour away? Absolutely. Really? Can an we, hour away? Really? Princeton's oh, my, more than an hour away. My like mom, well, okay, like two and maybe hour, a couple two and hours. Half, yeah. Fine, fine. But my mom was trying to like... I wanted to go to school in Philly and my mom was trying to ship me off to Princeton. I was like, no, I want to stay in Philly and you know, go to Penn. Yeah. For, you know, Rio's Puerto Rican and it's a very different yeah. family dynamic. Being Haitian is a very different family. Dy- you keep family close. Yeah. But mm. Princeton's so close it, to Brooklyn. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Especially when you're talking about a 15 year old, mm. like my parents wanted to look out the window and see me. <laughs> when I was 15, you know what I mean? Not when I was nine, not when I was seven, when I was 15, 16, they still wanted to look out the window and be able to say, hey, I see him. You know, it's a very different dynamic um, for immigrant families, which is Puerto Rico's not, it's like Rio tells the counselor, Puerto Rico's part of the United States of America. Yeah, right, right. But it's a, it's a very different feeling. It's a very different dynamic when, you know, communities are communities, right? I think in American culture, writ large, we tend to say, okay, you've reached an age where now you can start your life on your, on your, we'll be here, but, you know, you go over there. But for a lot of other communities, that's never the case. It's never like, oh, we, we leave our families behind and start a new family. You're like, no, the family is the family. <laughs> like, you're not going anywhere without us. You know, like, mm. wait, you're moving to where? What? You're going where? <laughs> Who? No. You know what I mean? Why would you do that? So there's a lot of um, that at play, I think, in the movie, which rings true to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it very much rings true to me for a lot of people that I know who are, who are you know, Latino, who are Afro-Caribbean. That but they don't, I mean, I don't know. They, she doesn't want him to go to a very prestigious college or you think like would Columbia be okay? Is that close enough? Yeah, because it's a train ride, you know, sometimes. Yeah, that's true. He can come <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Coming back home. <laughs> you, know yeah. you don't got to stay on the dorm. You come back home every night. <laughs> And he's only and it, fifteen. At the yeah, same okay. Time. It's too soon for college. Yeah, yeah. And he's only fifteen, and she's she's dealing with letting go, mm-hmm. you know, and and mm-hmm. seeing her her son, you know, become grown. So this Man. circles back to the this family dynamic of yeah. what this movie deals with. So as a parent, I'm watching this going. Oh, I've got a kid who in about 10 years is going to be wanting to go off to college and do all this stuff. How am I going to react to that? How right. does I, a parent, want to keep them safe and, and look out the window and, and see them and that, yeah, that sort right. of thing? But then I can try to, I can vaguely pull through the fog and remember my teenage days and really just wanting to break free. Absolutely. And I got to get away from this and I want to be my own person doing my own things with my own people, you know, with my own found family. And that tension in the family of, of we want to keep you close and we got to protect you, but we recognize that you're trying to be an adult and becoming into your own thing. But no, we're not ready for it yet. And then the kid going, I really do need to get away from this for a minute, you know, and, and be my own self. 
And then we throw in class and race on top of this storytelling dynamic. And it's wild. And then we go, we we haven't even talked about Spider-Punk yet and what he's talking about. Alicia, you were saying that Spider-Punk was one of the the biggest uh, characters that you were interested in seeing in this movie. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he reminds me of people I know, as I said, um, Mm -hmm. his whole attitude, but also... I just, and one of the reasons why I wanted to go back and watch it a second time before doing this is I just wanted to watch, because I noticed several times in the background, he was like just stealing little bits of technology, mm-hmm. just like Loki. Yep. He's yep. like, yes. oh, it probably yeah. doesn't work. Pockets it, yeah. you know? Yeah. And yeah. then you're like, what is he up to? So I couldn't like stop paying attention to him. And then at the end, obviously you see he's built this whole freaking bracelet and yep. he's just like, you know, you know, <laughs> down with, uh, down with Miguel's master plan. <laughs> exactly. When he when yeah. he, when he goes, you know what? I, I he throws it and it's like I'm out. Cause it, yeah. I, I don't want any parts to. I don't yeah. want anything to do with this anymore. But you he know? must have one at the end because they're all together at the end. Oh yeah. I he, guess he made yeah. another. He had to make made, made, he made yeah. another. But just him, you know that that he's like I want my scene. own, not Miguel's. Yeah. I I don't want anything to do with this guy. I don't want anything to do with any of you, really. You know, and that's just. He was one of my favorite characters in the yeah. in the film. He really, uh, Alicia. Did you did the animation style that they set up for Spider Punk uh, for Hobie? Um, yeah, I that, thought it worked. It, did it mark for? Does it work for you? I thought it worked well for that. So I um, okay. So I think we probably talked about it in the preview podcast about how in the first movie um, they made a difference in animation between. Uh, animating on the ones, which is where you have every frame is a new movement, so it looks smoother. Mm-hmm. Versus, uh, so they did that for like Peter, for instance, and then they would have Miles next to him animated on the twos, uh, which makes it like a little bit choppier. Um, so, yeah, so that showed that Peter was smooth and experienced, and Miles was clumsy. And that was one of the things, oh, like one of those little so details cool. that I really loved about that. Um, and so for this one, I, yeah, I just had the feeling that it was like choppy the whole time. So I asked my friend, uh, Hjorti, he's a, he's like the lead animator or the head of animation, or whatever his title is at Blender Animation Studios. I was like, were they animating on the twos the whole time? And he said, yeah, they were mostly animating on the twos with uh, some ones mixed in. Um, but for certain elements, uh, like spider punk, and I think probably also the, uh, vulture at the beginning, the, you know, the, oh, the vultures. Uh, we haven't even talked yeah. about the vulture. That was so cool. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was probably also on the threes. Um, and so I thought that like that for the threes, for those, for those two characters in particular, that really worked for me, you know, especially everything they were doing with the Spider-Man, oh, sorry, with the Spider-Punk animation was just so cool and iconic and just like perfect for the character. But the fact that they were animating on the two so much throughout at first yeah, I, it took me like the first third to kind of get more into this movie. And that was one of the mm. things that was taking me out of it was a little bit of the choppiness. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Because I don't know why they made that decision. I understand why they made the decision for Spider-Punk and Vulture, but I don't know why they made that decision for like Miles should be smoother now. Um, Gwen should be smoother. Yeah. That's so interesting. And I just had a, like a simple question about Spider-Punk and, you know, the animation <laughs> style of using the 1980s clip art, you know, cutout stuff to, to, to animate him. And we've got a whole lesson in, in uh, animation uh, technologies. That's amazing. I had no idea. I, yeah. That was a, such a subtle level of 
of film. And this is where I was saying my admiration for these filmmakers right. is that they're using the techniques and the medium and the constraints of the medium uh, to be creative and to innovate in their storytelling into a whole new different way. But maybe they're, they're not smoother because they're not smoother. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, because of, of the emotional turmoil that each are experiencing. So maybe that's why they made that choice. Just like, you know, they're better superheroes, but are they better? Is, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Right. Like, right. Yeah. Things that yeah. they're going through internally. Yeah. Is that, is that the reason why they're sort of off? Maybe. Yeah, I guess I guess it was for me like yeah, maybe that is the thing, you know, if for me it was when they had in the first movie they had always like at least one character who was animated quote unquote normally. Right. And for this there would be scenes where there none of the characters were animated normally, normally. and my brain was kind of like stuttering. Huh. Huh. Oh. But that's just such a such a little nitpick because <laughs> I am, you know, and it's and I'll just throw my other nitpick out there while I'm at it, and then yeah, I'm done. Please do. Um, so, so the, my other little nitpick is that I felt, especially in the beginning, that the dialogue was not as sharp as an, and as incisive as the first movie. Okay, um, but like really, I thought that you know the writing was superlative. Um, I yeah thought that this like i said it's not only the best movie of the year it's going to be you know this trilogy overall is going to be one of the best trilogies of my entire life i'm sure Agreed. um so i'm just judging this at a higher level where i'm looking more at the details i'm not putting on my cartoon morning cereal mind, you know? <laughs> fair enough even fair though enough. it's actually a cartoon <laughs> yeah literally a cartoon <laughs> Um, yeah. I'm thinking we should start to bring our conversation around and, and get ready to, to wind it up. Uh, John has to edit this. And so, you know, we yeah. want to be yeah, kind yeah, yeah. to him, uh, with, uh, with our time and with the listeners, I feel like we have barely scratched the surface barely. of this. Mm -hmm. We haven't barely. even talked about all of the superficial stuff, like the vulture guy, like um, spider you know, bite, scarlet spider, yeah. Yeah. all the different spiders. I really yeah. was wishing I, I was glad I saw it on a big screen and I'm glad I saw it in an audience because I did really vibe off of the energy that was being generated by all those human beings in that space. Um, and I am anticipating the day when I can stream this so that I can pause it and look yeah. and examine yeah. it at a, at a deeper level. Cause there was yeah. so much more right. uh, going on, but let's start to wrap up our thoughts a little bit. Jean, what are a couple of things that we haven't touched on yet, but that you want to make sure that you uh, get into the conversation here? I know you've got a couple of notes in the outline document. Is there anything that no, is jumping I, I think, up for you? I think, you know, Visually, how in in when we first see Gwen and her moods, the color, mm -hmm. you know, she's walking on the subway, you know, every, mm -hmm. she's blue, and it's just, you know, these these sorts of things just really, they, they're so, I don't know, man, it's just so well done, and 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 captures, you know, it, it always brings me back to how, you know, what we can can see and what we can read and what we can hear like the arts can capture so much in very few little rhythms you know what i mean you mm -hmm. can hear like a beat of a song and it just takes you somewhere you mm -hmm. can read a, a a sentence and it just takes you somewhere 
you could see, uh, you know, a, a, a girl, a young woman who you know is super powerful walking on in a subway and it's just like takes you somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like the visual of this movie is just the animated the, the animation is just really, really spectacular. Mm. And it like you said earlier, you know, music is what films often do to get emotions out of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um the music took a back seat for me in this film. Yeah. Right. You know, it took a back seat for me. And it, and that's saying a lot because you know, you know, I never once got bored with what I was watching or what I was seeing mm. enough to be like, oh, this is a dope song. <laughs> no, it was always like, oh, this is a dope scene. Oh, this is a dope color. Oh, this is, you know, how did mm. they do this? How did they do that? Just like that was really something special for me. And I think um this is going to go down as it's a change. Mm-hmm. It's a change. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a sea change. Mm-hmm. I really I really believe this movie is going to be a sea change in how we um, how things are are shown to us, mm-hmm. and even in live action, like mm-hmm. you said earlier, we all said the flash animation just didn't look <laughs> didn't look good. Right? Bad. <laughs> right? Didn't look good. This is going to make you step your game up. Mm. Hmm. I hope so. I, that's that's I my hope. Yeah, I hope so. that's yeah. my hope. That's my hope. It makes you step <laughs> your game up. So yeah. Well, I think what it did for me too, and and going back to the trailer talk stuff, and and not just not to pile in on the flash. I don't want no, to. No, no. Uh, you know, <laughs> we love DC uh, too. Be, I don't want to be mean. I don't need to be mean about it. Um, but it, it it just the fact that the Blue Beetle, the Flash, teenage, you know, all of this stuff. These are all very standardized plots with standardized storylines with the uh, you know you know, biting the big bad and, you know, they twist and turn a little bit. And I think that now we have a new marker, uh, with this show. It's, I, I agree with you. It's changed the game. We've moved the goalposts. I don't know whatever metaphor analogy you want to use. This is going to make us think differently about other films that we see in the future, just like, and, or changed our perception of star Wars. Mm. Um, mm. You know, this this movie is going to change our perception of uh, the superhero genre. I'm in total agreement with that. Uh, with Alicia, what anything on your notes that you wanted to make sure that we got included today? Um, can I ask you guys zoom in on two speculative plot questions? Of for course, you and see, of get your takes on it. Um, did you guys get a vibe? Okay, so they were obviously like teasing a little bit uh, this love triangle with Miles and Hobie and Gwen, which I thought was actually really cute in the end because Hobie wasn't interested in that at all, obviously. (laughs) Um, He actually was probably the best mentor to Miles in this particular movie. Mm. Um, Mm. But then I also felt like they were setting up some vibes with Spider-Bite and Miles. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. So I I feel like they're going to have these... Was I she? I, I kind of felt it from Spider Bite towards Miles. Yes. And I, yeah, I think I, it would have been not looked good to us if Miles was into it. But she, mm-hmm. yeah, she seemed to be like, <laughs> right. oh, hey, You're right, <laughs> You're right. So yeah, def- yeah, I agree with that definitely. Yeah. Um, 
And my other question is, you know, with the 42, um, with the 42 Uncle Aaron and Miles, do you think, I mean, they, they've, they're also characters who have experienced loss and, you know, Uncle Aaron always seems to come back around to Miles. Will he come back around to help the Miles of the other universe? Will they end up being on, rather than antagonists, will they end up being partners to our spider fam <laughs> against Spot and Miguel, probably? Ooh, I, that turned so dark when Miles was uh, chained up like that and when he meets his you know counterpart in the thing. I thought, again, another great twist. I thought that yes. they were doing that really subversive and challenging thing of taking the trope and twisting it and turning it and flipping it and dividing it in half and then multiplying it by the square root. So not only is he in the wrong universe, but then he's, you know, confronting himself in the, the, this other very radically different self uh, from him. Um, really, really great stuff. I was very, nervous for miles then and i thought that the uncle aaron twist was chilling was it would really terrified me and i don't know that i can see i can't see the path out for uncle aaron in this storyline as it is going now which means whatever happens i'm going to be surprised which means i'm going to be happy <laughs> so no matter where they go with it i, I i'm good but I don't know. I can't answer your question, Alicia, because I yeah. just have no idea. I, I, have, I have a question. I have a yeah. question. Do either of you think that something dire will happen to one of Miles's parents? Um, mm. I don't know. At this point, I hope. Oh man, maybe it'll be his mom instead of his dad. Oh. <laughs> I mean, isn't that what happens in the comics? Yes, it is. <laughs> uh I don't know. I, I mean, I want I want Miles to have had, and you know, he already lost someone. And I agree. I want I want him and like I want like his dad and the other uncle Aaron to like have a brotherly conversation that they couldn't have with their own brothers. I want family reunification at the end of all this <laughs> <laughs> across the multiverse. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, and we don't yeah. know. Do do we have any intel on where they are in production? It sounded what what little I read somewhere like they're exhausted. They, I mean, are... yeah. Well, like I, I like I said, there's Sony Animation Studios is not great for. It was the same with this movie. They're not great for uh, managing their time well okay. uh, when it comes to the animation side of things, and then they end up uh, overworking their animators, like giving them nothing for ages, and then overworking them. Mm. So I'm not okay. surprised. Uh, if that's what's going around, but they say March, but then again with, you know, the strikes and now SAG's right. going to mm -hmm. strike. Yeah. Right. So uh, hopefully that speeds things up in terms of the strikes in terms of get, getting a better outcome for everyone uh, right. and getting the Shout out to, to the writers attention. and to the uh, yeah. actors as they're going mm -hmm. through this. I was seeing some stuff about executive pay packages and how they've been bragging to wall street. The studios have been bragging to wall street. And when you compare the numbers to what, the writers are asking for is nothing. It's ridiculous. So it is. is yeah. So I don't understand the cruelty towards the writers because yeah. they gave the directors. Oh yeah. Great. Here's your, here's your thing. And the directors were like, cool. 
Yeah. Why are you being hard on the writers of all because the- Because they think they can. Right. Yeah. But why? Because right. Just- because they can get mind. away with it. Yeah. No, it's, it's, uh, because they're not it's doing not it to the good. Teamsters. They're not doing it to the truck drivers, the electricians, yeah. the, you gotta you do know, it the to somebody. people. Yeah. And why? Uh, I, it, it boggles somebody. my mind. Cause a lot of, I mean, as, as someone who's worked as a professional writer my whole career, I can tell you a lot of people think that they can do my job. Right. Uh, who can't? And now they think that AI can do the job. And they right. can't. can't. Yeah. And that's why, you know, I'll see, like, HBO is supposed to be really quality, but the quality of the subtitles now, because, you know, I know the people who were working for writing all these subtitles haven't gotten work for months, and I think they're just putting it through AI, and it's just full of mistakes now. Wow. And it's just, yeah. Wow. Um, and they just don't care enough. They don't <sighs> think and, uh, people at home care enough. Yeah. Well, they're going to learn real quick once, yeah. they, once the pipe starts yeah. to run dry. And, and, and it will. So. Dragon, we're yeah, going to stop watching. So. I hope so. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's always there are always going to be people who don't care, but there are are always going to be people who do care. Yeah, and that's why I'm so thankful that movies like this exist. Um, that where obviously the creatives do care, you know, and right. and they're given, as we said in the previous podcast, given the space to do so. Yeah, right, right. And by the way, we yes. didn't shout out the most important cameo. <laughs> Oh, we didn't, Donna Glover. Glover. Donald Glover. <laughs> Donald Glover. <laughs> live action, Miles. Live action. Yeah, my, uh, my, uh, oh yeah, live action, Miles. Apparently, has been like soft announced. Yeah, but yeah, yeah my theater uh, was like pure silent during that, and I went woo. <laughs> and I think that was actually because that happened more toward the beginning, and I think that actually loosened up the rest of the theater, and then right. they started reacting more. <laughs> yeah, my theater definitely reacted when. when That's uh, awesome. Uh, That's when, awesome. When he came on, and I loved how they dealt with the other live action spider. Yeah, you know, when they went to thing. Mrs. Chen in the Venom yeah. Universe. Yeah. Too. Yeah. yeah, all that. Yeah. And like I was saying, I feel like we we went so deep down into the roots of this thing. I feel like yeah. we just bypassed we all missed the, fun, a lot of the fun, superficial yeah. stuff that's on top. But there's just but, so much. There was too much. We might have to, when it comes out on streaming, maybe we'll have to break it down again on the yeah. second round yeah. and uh, have some more fun with some of the, yeah. uh, the the more entertaining aspects of the film rather than yeah. the deep meanings of it. Agreed. So, Agreed. We each come back with our like, top 10 Easter eggs or something. I like it. Yeah, yeah. something like Go that. For that it. Would, hey, well, you're, you're now a co-host, so you yeah. can... I can let it uh, just all happen. So... Okay, well, I think we should uh, wrap it up there. Any last final thoughts, Alicia? Um, no, just like I think, you know, I said I would give Into the Spider-Verse a 10, this one a 9.5, and I'm prepared for Beyond the Spider-Verse to be an 11. So okay, bring it go. on. Nice. Yeah. Jean? Um, great movie. Um, favorite movie in, like I said, last decade easily. Okay. Um, and yeah, looking forward to part three. My, uh, my last thought is to John, uh, my podcasting partner and editor of this, uh, podcast, go see the movie, dude. You have to see it. <laughs> Watch. <laughs> Watch it. But before we go, I know Gu guardians didn't, uh, you know, you felt a little let down. This is going to buoy you back up. So go check it out. Uh, all right. Uh, MC universe podcast folks. Uh, what's next on our radar? We've got Secret Invasion. Yeah, I mean, and Secret Invasion of, and Marvels. Yeah, and then Secret Invasion is in is in June. Yes. Yeah, mm -hmm. end of June. Yeah, end of June. Yeah, 
I believe so, I believe they said Echo is coming in the fall as well. It's going to be a drop. They're going to let release yeah. it all in one go. Yeah, they're going to release everything. I'm not happy about that. Yeah, at once. Um, and then the Marvels movie, I think, is after yeah. Echo. Yeah, so I'm looking at our my uh, big fancy Gantt chart that I build uh, for this stuff, and we've got. Um, uh, where are we here? Secret Invasion. Mm-hmm. And then we've got a long time. That ends on August 2nd. Uh, and then we've got Loki on October 6th. And then we have the Marvels on November 10th. And then Echo is going to drop on uh, November 29th. And that's okay. going to be a okay. binge. Right. Yeah. So that's so exciting. We'll, that's exciting. We'll have so it's the same time as Loki then. Yeah. 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 So we'll have some work to do in between there. We've got to, we still have to work out our secret invasion plans, but we're definitely going to do stuff for it. Uh, but we'll talk offline and then we'll figure out where we're going to go from there. Um, Alicia, Silo on Apple TV, we'll shift dust. Why don't you give us a quick hit on your podcast as a network affiliate of the Lorehounds? Yay. Yay. Let's go. Um, yeah. We'll shift us to Silo TV podcast available wherever you listen to podcasts. And uh, we go deep into the details of the show, breaking it down from, you know, the visual side to the writing side to the story side. Um, We don't spoil anything after the episodes, but I do make some book comparisons. Uh, So for people who are curious, how is this different from the book? I'll tell you. Right, and that's you and your co-host Luke, who is a political right. historian, if I remember right. correct. Right, and he's At the not University read the of Saint book. Andrew. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, which mm-hmm. is a really great. And he's yeah, because he's so got he's, an angle on sociology, on politics, <laughs> yeah, on, got an angle. on all that stuff. So, yeah. I like him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, he comes in with the fresh takes, and yeah, I know that a lot of book readers, especially, um, really enjoy listening to his theories. Yeah. Yeah. That's so great. you've yeah, got an episode um, for episode six. Coming yeah, I'm editing. Soon. I'm as you know. Uh, well, after this, I'm going to go to bed. But the, tomorrow, <laughs> the, edit, the new episode <laughs> goes online. So before this one drops, so uh, you'll already yes. see the breakdown for episode six. And we have a crossover episode this week with uh, John and David. So awesome. uh, yeah, you'll see that popping up uh, where they give. Yeah, and we'll cross you know, that their, into oh, our feed and your feed. Yeah, it'll be in both feeds. Right. Yeah. So you can get the Lorehounds take on Silo. Yeah. That's dope. Um, Real quick uh, for Lorehounds, we will have a a live watch of Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace that we're going to do on our Discord. Uh, Again, link in the the show notes. John and I are going to watch every, all, what is it, 11 uh, major films in order, in timeline order of the universe. Um, and then we're going to podcast about them. And so we're starting obviously with a Phantom Menace and we're going to do that Saturday, June 10th, uh, which I think is when this podcast might drop as if we can get a, you know, uh, production workflow moving at the right pace, um, at 8 PM on our discord. Um, other than that, we've got a one piece. If you're a one piece animation fan, John is going to talk with a buddy of his about the first 30 episodes. There are over a thousand episodes. Yes. I've never heard of it before. And then he starts watching it and says, dude, this is crazy. I'm like, that is crazy. Um, so that's going to be coming up soon. We have a new little uh, show style that we're calling Lorehounds One Shots. And so if you've listened to our podcast before, you know Marilyn R. Pakila, who's our favorite Tolkien scholar. 
She was super excited about Mrs. Davis, which was the Damon Lindelof, uh, and I forget his co-producer uh, director on that. Um, but they both really enjoyed that. So they're going to do a podcast just about the whole season in, in awesome. one podcast. So that's yeah. coming up. We've got Book Nook coming up. We're reading the third book in the um, Ursula K. Le Guin Earthsea series. So that's going to be out towards the later part of June. Um, then we've got Secret Invasion coming up. And then we have another installment of Silmarillion stories. And we're going to be reading Of Feanor and the Unchaining of Melkor with uh, our special guest and friend, Maester Anthony who does the Electric Boogaloo Game of Thrones uh, podcast. And hopefully we're going to be hearing uh, from him some more in the future, but he's going to jump on with us for that chapter. So we've got a lot happening in June. Even though we don't have any tentpole shows until the end of June, um, we still have plenty of content happening. And then in July and August, we're going to get into Ahsoka stuff. And uh, what else do we have? We've got... Uh, Wheel of Time. And Wheel of Time. It's finally coming. Um, that's pretty incredible. So. Uh, Alicia, thank you so much for agreeing to join us in this endeavor. It's really great to have your point of view and your knowledge, uh, on this podcast. So thanks for, um, playing in our sandbox. Thank you for welcoming me to the fold. Yeah. It's awesome. To the spider fam. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. Oh, so many spiders that we didn't talk about. It's (laughs) killing me. Thanks everyone. Thanks Alicia. Thanks John. Uh, Take care. The next one. Ciao. The Lorehounds podcast is produced and published by The Lorehounds. You can send questions and feedback and voicemails at thelorehounds.com slash contact. Get early and ad-free access to all Lorehounds podcasts at patreon.com slash thelorehounds. Any opinions stated are ours personally and do not reflect the opinion of or belong to any employers or other entities. Okay, Jean, uh, bonus uh, content for the podcast. Amazing Spider-Man, number okay. 26. Spill the tea. Came out last week. And this is quite possibly one of the worst <laughs> stories that's been told in comics in a very long time. Okay. This is a Spider-Man comic. Um, he's gone through the ringer in this entire run of 26 issues uh you know ultimate dimensions mary jane's not in love with him anymore she's you know moved on and he's caused damage to new york city people hate him this is like the worst possible green goblin is a good guy now this is everything's topsy-turvy okay kamala khan miss marvel has been in a in a few of the the books. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, she's not a, a major player in, in the comic run, but she's, you know, she's splashed here and there. And so I opened up 26 because something big is happening in 26. I'm like, okay, cool. Open it up. Um, I see this picture on, on a page and I'm like, okay, who's this? It looks nothing like Kamala, who's been drawing for the last 10 years. But this is supposed to be a representation of Kamala Khan, right? In the in the in the book. And I'm like, this doesn't even look like Kamala Khan. What the hell is this? Whatever. So I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading. And you know how we tell 
the stories that we tell that you have to go through something horrible in order to become a better version of yourself. Right. They killed Kamala Khan in the comics. No. Miss Marvel is dead. Boo. Boo. I mean, she better be coming back. It's comics. She'll come back. But the they killed Kamala Khan saving Mary Jane Watson. She's not even a character in she's, right. she's not she has nothing to do with these characters. She has her own superhero community. She has her own books. She has her own supporting cast. She has nothing to do with Spider-Man lore. She has nothing to do with Spider-Man history. She has nothing to do with Peter Parker. She has nothing to do with Mary Jane Watson. Why is she dying in this book? And why do I have to see Peter Parker cradle her like Madonna did Jesus? Like you see in in in, in the Spider-Verse movie, every Spider-Man who's holding someone who they've lost in their arms, kneeling down, the same exact picture. The same exact picture. But who's she to him? Yeah. Who is she to Peter Parker? Why is her death? And why would you do that to Kamala Khan, who's like now even more beloved than ever? Than ever. And why would you do what they killed Doctor Strange? He had his own damn comic. Right. Leading There's to his death. Yeah. yeah. You want to kill off Kamala Khan? Do it in her own comic book. Give her the space that she deserves. Not as some sort of side character so Peter Parker could get his mojo back. Yeah. This is ridiculous. This is why ridiculous. Would you fridge, why would you fridge like a leading character from a different Why series? would you fridge yeah. anyone in 2023? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if people who don't know what fridging is, is when... I don't. <laughs> right? So, I'm raising my hand. So, it's a comic book trope that came about in the 80s when a Green Lantern, um, his girlfriend at the time, was murdered and stuffed in a fridge. And he opened the fridge and there was her body. And that, okay. that was the, the thing that propelled him to become a better Green Lantern. Okay. To become a better version of himself. Got it. So Spider-Man is fridging all of, all all the loved ones. That's part of the canon that Miguel wants to preserve. That's yes, absolutely. But it's I, I can't even say it's fridging all the loved ones because it's specifically about women. Yeah, it's mm. specifically about a woman's death or Propel or suffering propelling a male character forward. Mm. And it's mm. twice as offensive if it's, if it's someone who's a lead in her own series. Yeah. <laughs> who's not even a character in really of yeah. Spider-Man. Why would you do this Marvel Comics mm -hmm. in the year 2023? <laughs> Why would you storyboard this and say, ah, this is a good twist? No, it's not. This is no, it's not a good twist. And I feel for my Muslim brothers and sisters who read comics and for all the young women and teenagers who read comics and have to see Spider-Man 
holding Ms. Marvel and she's in her dying breath says something to the effect, am I a hero now? What the fuck? Ugh. That's just a bad writing like, line. Like, did I do good? <laughs> yeah, someone who's undeniably a hero for, you know, her own reasons. Yeah. Just incredibly upsetting. Um, I don't know when I will ever pick up another Spider-Man comic book. Um, wow. Wow. For As long as this creative team is writing it, I'm uh-huh. not reading it. Wow. Okay. And I... And I you know, and I really urge people, you know, to be really thoughtful and cognizant of who you're reading and what stories these people are telling. Mm. Because in 2023, I should not have to read this. No one should have to read this. And Again, if you want to kill off a character for whatever reason, to bring them back stronger and better than ever, that's great. But give them the respect. Give the fans the respect. Give the character the respect to do it correctly. Not in this. Let's say, let's say there's 100 pages. She's in like three. How is her death important to Spider-Man? Right. Yeah. How is that meaningful? Yeah. Thank you. Boo that <laughs> twist. Boo. Is it um, is it making waves in the community? Yes. In the fandom, no one is, ha- is a lot of people who are not happy, but there are a lot of people who are happy because there are a lot of racist, misogynistic trolls who right. can't wait to have you know black, brown women right sad and upset and looking at and saying ha 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 ha. Mm, mm. And I feel well, like I don't consider was, them. Yeah, I don't consider them fandom. They may be consumers of this media. They're consumers. They're, they're consumers, yeah. and they have an yeah. outsized voice. Right. Right. Yeah. They have an outsized voice, and 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 just I'm just going to be honest. You know, um, comics has a a a, a issue. Comic book readers, mm. have, there, there's a big issue with yep. racism and and sexism within the industry. Yeah. Um, yep. We dealt with a lot. Same with uh, 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 Tolkien. We I didn't right. realize there was a whole underbelly there, right? That people yeah. are using it to justify uh, cultural supremacy and these kinds of things. It's, right? It's wild. Right? Yeah. And you know, it's the same thing with you know. I remember when you know Bobby Drake, who's Iceman, came out of the closet and how mm-hmm. that was treated. And I remember how, again, when Miles was first, you know, penned, even mm-hmm. though he was penned by a white man and colored and drawn by a white woman, mm-hmm. they blew a gasket. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So again, like why, why tell this story? What, what do you get out of telling this story? Like that's the question I would have for the creative team. Like, and why would Marvel, you know, comics allow this story to to fly? Mm. Right? And it just stinks all over. Okay. You know, there's no there's no way to sugarcoat it and there's no way to be happy about it. There's no way to be, you know, well, let's see how how it no, no. No. There's no right. well, let's see. 
how it plays out. Let's see what they do with it. No, there's none of that. It yeah. shouldn't have been done, period. Right. Give her character the respect that her character has earned mm. by being one of the most popular characters in Marvel Comics. Mm. Yeah. And if you're going to do this path, if you're going to go down this path where her death means something, then have it mean something to the people who read the comic. Give right. her her due and not make her a secondary, uh, you know, uh, not even a secondary because, you know, she died saving Mary Jane Watson. Yeah. So she's not even secondary. Mm. At least give her a romance with her first or something. something yeah, do something. <laughs> All right. So that's Marvel rough. Comics, I'm sorry to hear big, that. Big disappointment, man. Yeah. yeah. Big disappointment. All right, well, hopefully Mike the pushback. Dropped. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope that some pushback happens here. And- yeah, yeah. Seriously, there needs to be some, you know, introspection done on mm-hmm. how and why. Okay. And let's see what happens. All right. All right, thanks. Tell thanks, John. More stories like the uh across the space. <laughs> there we right. go. There we go. Let's right. let's leave on that note.